So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Match Fit Football Podcast. I'm Darren Potts, your host here again this week on the show. Today, I have a very, very, very special guest. It is Daniel Ballard. He is a Northern Ireland international currently playing for Millwall. Daniel, warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Delighted to get you here. And obviously, you're a very busy man. You're a man in demand, of course. Um, but talk to me about how you're feeling so far, how the season's going for you, how you feel everything is kind of going um, in 2022 for you at the minute. Yeah, I think on a whole, um, obviously last year was probably my most successful year as a player. And um, joining Millwall this season, at the start, it was going extremely well. And, you know, I couldn't have been a better club and I was playing every week and learning so much from from different people and obviously I've had this um, this injury I had to go through which was come at a frustrating time I was just you know getting uh, getting a good good run of games under my belt and was feeling confident feeling feeling good and then obviously this happened so but I mean it's it's part of football and you know I've, I've had you know an injury like this before so it was, um, yeah, it was frustrating, but I'm, I'm just coming back now. I got my first minutes um, on the weekend after after three months. So hopefully we can uh, get it back on track. What's it like coming back, you know, fr- from an injury and getting those first minutes under your belt? Is it, I always feel like when, when a player's out for a long time, it also must be like almost going through pre-season again and then getting back onto the field. What's it like for you in that in that scenario? Yeah, I think this... When I when I had the injury, long term injury before, it, it sort of wasn't during the season. It was during sort of the COVID time, and um, I had a lot more time to recover and um, you know get myself right again. Whereas this time, it's been completely different. Um, there's almost been a bit of a, a a clock. You know, I've I've wanted there's there's games sort of passing by. You know, as the weeks go, so it's you know I, I wanted to get back as as quickly as possible and. Yeah, it's tough because you want to go back into games feeling as sharp and feeling as fit as possible. But at the end of the day, you can't you can't wait too long, and you know you don't may, you maybe don't get the the luxury of having like a, a full preseason almost under your belt before you go back in. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to do to to um, get back. So you're able to play and, you know, I've got a really good medical team at Arsenal and, and Millwall. So, you know, they're not stupid. They've made me, I've had to play minutes with, with the young teams, had to do a lot of running um, so that I am ready. Um, and now I feel like I'm sort of ready to get my first first 90 minutes, hopefully. Something you mentioned there, you know, with the Arsenal medical team and then Millwall, because you're out on loan at Millwall, whenever you go through an injury, do you have to be assessed by both medical teams or are Arsenal sort of kept in the loop of what's going on? How does it work for a professional when you're, you know, on loan away from your parent club? Yeah, so it was quite a long-term injury. Um, So I actually went and done my rehab back at Arsenal, um, which was pretty much the, the club's decision, you know, I'm, I'm their player. Um, they wanted to, you know, make sure everything was okay. Um, and I think for them, it sort of takes the pressure off, you know, Millwall wouldn't do this. I know they're good people, but I think Arsenal might be worried that if you're in that environment where 
they might want you back as quick as possible. Things might be rushed and things might not be done properly. So I think by doing that, it sort of takes all that pressure away. And, you know, they just want to make sure that I'm rehab correctly. And, you know, when I was ready to go, um, they, they sent me back to Mill. It's it's interesting insight to hear that. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned Arsenal there and, and, you know, going back to Arsenal and doing your rehab. Tell me about your time at Arsenal and coming up through the youth system and, you know, I'm playing at the club. I believe you would have been playing under Freddie Jumberg for a period of time, Arsenal legend, you know, sharing a changing room with um, Saka and Emile Smith-Rowe and, and whatnot. Tell me, give us a little bit of insight into your time playing for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I joined Arsenal when I was eight years old. So it's sort of, all I've knew growing up. You know, I've been quite fortunate to join, you know, an academy at such a young age. And um, I've had some really good coaches throughout my time and probably the best training someone could get. So I'm sort of very fortunate. And um, as you say, I've been extremely lucky, been able to play with some of, you know, the best players in, in the Premier League now. And um yeah, like Saka and Smith Rowe, they're some of the standouts um, growing up. And, you know, it's amazing to see how well they're doing now. It's, it's, it's inspiring for like for like the rest of us who may have different paths and who have had to go out alone. Um, it's nice to see that they're going through and, and shining right at the top. And obviously one of the major parts of, of your career at Arsenal, you know, whenever you're sort of on the fringes of that first team and beginning to go out on loan and whatnot, you know, Unai Emery is the manager in charge and Mikel Arteta comes in. For you as a young player and, you know, coming up through the system and being in that first team environment, is that something that you get excited about or is that hard to take or or do you go, what, where's my future at? What What's going on when a new manager comes in and what did Arteta do when he when he sort of arrived at the club? Yeah, I think... I try not to pay too much attention to that. You know, I've, I've never been, you know, a, a pivotal player at Arsenal almost. I've always been um, with the under-18s, with the under-23s, and then I've been pretty much straight out on loan. So I've tried to focus on, you know, myself and, you know, when I'm out on loan, I try to sort of immerse myself in that club and, you know, focus on everything I can do, you know, with the club I'm at, whether it's Blackpool or, or now Millwall. So um, I think now maybe I've had a, a few years out on loan. You know, there might be decisions at the club um, that where I might be more involved with with the first team. But essentially, it's sort of out of out of your control. You know, all I can do is go and put in performances um, on a Saturday and on a Tuesday and, you know, hopefully get their attention. And, you know, if, if, if I'm going to get an opportunity there, I'm going to have to play well where I'm, where I'm at here. Well, certainly, you know, you've been drawn to plaudits when you've been out on loan. You know, you've been, you've obviously, you've drew the attention of the Northern Ireland manager. He obviously knew you from the 21s and whatnot. You've made your full international, you know, um, debut. You've become an integral part of the, the Northern Ireland first team. Um, which I think is is phenomenal at your age as well. I think also even looking at it too, you know, you went out to Blackpool on loan and you were playing, you know, in League One and now you're playing in the championship with Millwall. You've made the step up even in your club career just inside this inside a calendar year. What's what's the difference between, you know, being at Arsenal in, in the Academy and coming up through the Academy and then going out and playing first team football, both at Blackpool and at Millwall? Yeah, I think I think Coming up through the academy, especially the under-18s and 23s, 
um you know i i found it really really useful i think i've always i always found it extremely difficult i found the level was was good when i was playing there um it felt super like competitive um and from like a maturity level um my body wasn't fully developed yet you know to go and play play men's football um and i just i just watched the the Rooney documentary and you see how young he was when you know he made his debut at, in the premier league he was 16 or 17 and you know he had a man's body and was sort of was sort of ready for that whereas if i look back now i i wouldn't have been nowhere near that just through sort of genetics so you know it was a really good time to sort of build the build the foundations and um then when i was when i was ready to go the the step up is is massive and you know you go from playing other other kids other young athletes to people playing in front of real fans real managers like players that are fighting for their lives for like for their families uh yeah it's, it's a massive step the the big thing was you know the the importance of each game and and the result because if you go from an academy it's more about development and it's more about yourself whereas you go into you know the league it's it's about winning and that's all that matters is that a hard transition to make, you know, in, in your head, especially at the very, very start mentally, you know, when you first make that transition, make your first couple of appearances and start to get used to things? Is that something that maybe not, wouldn't say you struggle with, but is that something you have to adjust to? Yeah, I think the the main thing is probably the added pressure from, you know, the manager, your, your teammates, the fans. It doesn't really exist uh, in under 23s. Um not through like no fault of their own. There's just not really anything to play for almost. And, and yeah, it is, it is a little bit of a shock, but you know, a, a lot of people will tell you when they go out alone, presuming it's a, you know, a good experience that they love it. And the, the step from academy to real men's football is brilliant. Cause it's, it's everything you've experienced like times 10 and it's um you know the winning feeling where it really matters and when you've all dug deep together there's, there's no you know better feelings you know, playing in front of fans and yeah it's um it was a little bit of a shock but it's like an enjoyable one tell me about the change room um experience you know when you go out on loan from arsenal you know to both blackpool and millwall is there experienced players in there um, that are able, you know, to, to lead by example or able to give a little bit of guidance. You know, you mentioned that in the Arsenal 23s, it's a lot about development. Um, whereas maybe at Blackpool and maybe at, maybe at Millwall, there's, there's experienced pros who are more demanding perhaps of you as a player. What's that changing your atmosphere and team ethos like? Yeah, I think I've been quite lucky. I've been involved in two changing rooms that were like so influential to me and you know I've been involved with really good people and people that want to help me and successful people in the game who who know how to to win games and know how to build that team morale and know how to guide you through sort of rocky periods and 
you know, obviously going into men's football, I wasn't having 10 out of 10s every week. And uh, sometimes it's just the players coming over and, you know, taking that bit of pressure off you and, and telling you you're an amazing player and you're, you're one of the best players in this team. You're going to help us, you know, you're going to help us win games, you know, after having a bad game. And it's, it's little things like that that really, really sort of helped me. And I had... I've had a lot of experienced pros and and even the the young players around me is um I've just been really lucky having two uh two really good dressing rooms. I mean two really good dressing rooms as well you know it was with Neil Critchley at Blackpool and and Guy Wright now at Millwall you know two players in their own right you know two managers in their own right that that have been there they've done it they've had a, a great careers as well and it's obviously been able to rub off in the changing room that's rubbed off on you and and that's kind of what you know from a supporter viewpoint looking out from the outside looking in that's kind of what you want to know and what you want to hear you know that about a good changing room and a good atmosphere um talk to me about the importance of maybe having a role model in either your team or your life do you have one you don't have to name who that person is but is that important to you i wouldn't necessarily say i have sort of one one person i look up to or one person that guides me for everything um I'd say in the academy, I had a lot of maybe three or four really good coaches. Freddie Lundberg is, mm-hmm. is one of them. Um, Kwame Ampadu, um, Steve Bold. I mean, there's, I've had some really good, you know, pivotal characters, you know, at important times during my career who've, who've really helped me. And, and they sort of helped me during when I was in the academy. And then, Going into, you know, men's football, of course, Neil Critchley, Gary Rower have had uh, massive roles to play. But I think the the most important people I've found in the last two years has, has been, you know, my teammates. And you can listen to to other people, you can you understand what they're saying, you take it all in. But when it comes from a teammate who's experiencing the same thing you are, who's going through it as you are now or has just finished it's I don't know it hits home a bit more and you really understand them and they understand you so I think that they've been the most sort of pivotal ones for me it's it's phenomenal to hear that you know about teammates and people you can rely on or people who have been there and done it and you're maybe even going through the same thing together if it's another young player and you'll be able to understand what each other are going through and I think that's vital obviously to, to continued progression and we're going to talk a little bit about what what I call match fit performance. And one of the questions I'd love to ask all my guests are, in, in your opinion, what are the keys to elite performance? I would say finding a, a balance between just finding a balance in life between, you know, performance, that hard work and switching off, putting other things in your life so that you can you can switch off from football so that you're busy you're not overthinking um and that's something i've been trying to implement the last few years is try to find that that good balance between hard work dedication and switching off and having other interests and working on them other interests and being passionate about something else um alongside for my case, football. 
Is that important for you to have something else that you can go and do to just to take your mind off football, whether you've had a great day, a bad day or an okay day? Yeah, I think that's that's the most important thing I, that's for on a personal level that, you know, I've, I've tried to do in the last three, four or five years. And, you know, when I, when I find that thing that I'm passionate about at the time, it's, um, yeah, there's no better feeling than going, switching off, enjoying something else um, after putting in, you know, a hard day's work or, you know, having a, a good performance or a bad performance. Um, and yeah, just tr- trying to do that while while things are going really well because there's going to be times like injury or, you know, bad performances where it won't go well and you need to to, to fall back on that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree with with those with those sentiments. Um, one of the things that you've said, you know, in there is is having something to fall back on, take your mind off something. But take me back to young Daniel Ballard. Take me back to when you were a kid. Where did the love of football start? And um, how did you get into the world of professional football? Was it jumpers for goalposts? Was it academy? Where did your love for the game kind of stem from? And and did you envisage yourself having a career out of football? As a kid, I just. I hated losing. I, could, I couldn't deal with losing. Like, I just couldn't understand it. I'd, like tantrums everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, just something like didn't like click with me, and it, it was quite embarrassing for my like for myself and for others because I couldn't lose anything. And you know, football was just a sport I played. Sunday league team, um, primary school, lunch times. It was. It was just, I could not lose. And I think that's where I, I love being a defender because it wasn't even the fact that I love winning. I just could not lose. I, could, I couldn't take it. So I felt like if I could stop people scoring, then at least I wouldn't lose. And um, I think that's that's been one of my biggest sort of attributes playing football uh, growing up is that effort and the determination not to lose and, and to give everything. And I think that's, give me the edge um a lot of the time but yeah I mean as a kid I, I never really imagined playing professionally even as I was going through the academy um probably up to when I was 16 years old I still couldn't really imagine myself playing professionally um but it's, it's something I obviously love and I, I couldn't really picture myself doing doing anything else now it's absolutely brilliant to hear that, you know, when you're thinking back to young Daniel Ballard, just screaming at people if you're getting beat or just going home and smashing the PlayStation controller down if you lost a game of football and all that. But I think that grows in and as part of your development into that will to win and that will not to lose. And it helps frame you for obviously the career and the trajectory that you're on now. And um, another big thing I find for you, and um, we'll touch on the Northern Ireland scene now is you know, coming up through that you played under Ian Barraclough at the 21s and you made your debut against against Spain for the 21s and you've obviously went on to play in the first team. What was it like getting the international call-up and what's it like working under um, Ian Barraclough? Yeah, so I actually was lucky enough to, first of all, get called up to a few, few of the squads with um, Michael O'Neill and they were quite... They were at quite pivotal times. You know, I never played professional football before. I was still with the academy. So that, you know, gave me the, the real taste of, you know, what football's like and what a change room's like on, on a match day and, you know, 
what it's like being even on the bench or in the stand with, with a full stadium. And I think that was that was really important. And you know, I used to re- really enjoy them trips, even though I was going just to train and, and just to help out almost. Um, it sort of gave me that introduction. Um, and then when obviously um, the gaffer now took over, um, it's sort of the mentality switched you know it's it sort of seen me play under 21s and he threw me into that game against Romania um you know I'd had a year out from it from a knee operation and hadn't played 90 minutes for it was over a year and yeah he just had a, a real belief in me and probably at a time where I didn't have it in myself and it's it was it was strange, you know, having someone sort of believe in you and give you that confidence. And, you know, he gave me that. And I'd like to say I've sort of repaid him with, at the start, some some good some good performances. And, you know, I can't thank him enough um, for giving me them opportunities. And, you know, just, just having that one person, you know, believe in you and give you that opportunity, it's, um, it's such a confidence booster. I think one of the things too is is at the, probably at the age you were at that time and you know coming off the big injury and and coming back in and feeling that confidence and feeling that belief from a manager to put that faith in you it almost you know helps you in terms of your career because it could be quite easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle at that stage you know with the injury come back with you know feeling frustrated and not playing how important was not only just that match, but is is maybe even make, make it a bigger question. How important is the confidence in a manager for a player? Yeah, I think it's it's massive, and that come it's again such an important time. And you know, I was I was looking for a loan at the time, and no clubs to see me play. No one wanted to, you know, no one was putting the trust in me. No one wanted to give me that opportunity, and. You know, for him to, to, you know, to start me in that game and, you know, tell me that he believes in me and tell me that, you know, I want to play you because you've done well, you've played well with the 21s, you've, you know, you've earned this chance. And, yeah, have, having that confidence, especially from a manager, is is massive. I think one of the major standouts for you is, you know, it's probably a day that we all want to forget because of the scoreline, but obviously the game... You know, at Windsor Park, you were playing against one of the best strikers in the world, you know, Erling Haaland. And, you know, scoreline we want to forget, but you certainly got a lot of plaudits that day. You know, I think Sky Sports rated you 9 out of 10 that match. And there was a couple of other uh, match reports that I read that gave you a phenomenal match report that day. Obviously, we didn't get the win, but in terms of playing against someone like Haaland for 90 minutes and, and everything that went on there, how big of a learning curve or how big of a moment do you think in terms of your career will that game be in, in terms of the learning experience of it? Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest thing I took away from playing against him personally was his attitude towards that game and you know, it could have been easy for one of the the best players in the world um, playing against Northern Ireland in an empty stadium during coronavirus to, you know, take your foot off the gas almost and just give it, you know, an 80, 80% or something in a game. And, 
you know, I was walking out of that tunnel and, you know, I see him looking straight into all of our eyes. And from that moment on, I knew he's serious. He's, he's going to go out there and fight and battle. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to say I always give that sort of determination back, but it was sort of, it was nice to see players right at the top, you know, giving their all for, for their countries. And, um, yeah, that was something. It was almost like a reminder that you haven't, you you know, you've achieved nothing. This guy's achieved so much and he's still giving all of that. So it was almost like a reminder of no matter how well you've done in the past or you can't take your foot off the gas and you, you've got to go and give everything if you want to get right to the top. Absolutely. And I think the, the point you made there about he could have, you know, almost said it's Northern Ireland, it's an empty stadium. I'm just going to go out and go through the motions. But he came out and he was going 100% given everything that he had. And it's, I think that's such a great learning experience for young players or young fans who are watching the game who want to go pro. You know, this guy is not taking anything for granted. that he's given it 100% every single time. As you said, you did as well, you know, and I think that's that's amazing. Um, we've talked about slightly, you know, the difference between, you know, in the Arsenal Academy and then going out and loan to Blackpool and Millwall. What was the difference like and what was the atmosphere like between going from the 21s to the full international side? I think obviously at the time, um, I'd never even played under 23s football before making the jump to under 21s international. So at the time, it was it felt massive for me. And to play against Spain, who were, you know, a lot of first team international or first team at their club levels. And it was, you know, that was a massive jump at the time. Um, not realising at the time it's going to be an even bigger jump when you go on to the, the, the full international. And yeah, it was... You know, leading up to these big games, you know, something that I've always struggled with or not struggled with, you know, I feel the pressure a lot. I tend to get nervous. You know, I, I usually play better when I'm more nervous and when I'm under under pressure. So I think, although it might not feel particularly nice at the time, you know, you, you're worried, you're, you're anxious, you're... Um, yeah, it seems like, you know, a bit overwhelming almost. I think that's when I've typically seemed to have done quite well. So it's it's encouraging, you know, going forward when, you know, I'm sure there'll be bigger games I'll have to play in that, you know, I can sort of get through them and, and embrace them, enjoy them. Yeah, I mean, the nerves thing's an interesting one because every player reacts differently, you know, and every player and every person has their own characteristics. And there are certain people who say they never feel nerves and they go out and they play and that's fine. There are other people who they, like you said, you get nerves, but you feel you thrive and you play better under those nerves. And um, you almost feel the weight of the expectation and then embrace it, which, which is interesting in itself. Um, was that always the case for you or was that something that you developed? once you maybe went out on loan and were playing men's football in front of fans and playing the international football in front of fans? Or have you always felt the pressure of just, it's a football match and I want to win, so here's the pressure and here's the nerves? I think it's almost sort of reverse, as you said. I think as a kid, I always felt it a lot more. Um, you know, under 13s, 14s, 15s. Um, I remember playing against Chelsea, who was our biggest sort of rivals at the time. And, I couldn't sleep. I'd feel sick. It would be, it was like the worst 
we used to play them like three times a year and it was like the worst day of the year like every single time and and when I stepped up you know going to Blackpool um, and started playing you know I felt like it would completely reverse you know I wasn't getting nervous for games anymore probably because there was no fans and you get into that that rhythm you feel comfortable you're playing well so I was almost trying to make myself get nervous because I feel like I still do play play better like that I feel maybe more alert more more focused um so yeah I feel I feel at times I feel like I need to add some nerves because um when you're playing regularly and you're playing twice a week you know it's hard to it's hard to really psych yourself up for games you know you play 90 minutes and two days later you're having to do it again on on a Tuesday night so um yeah it's interesting and obviously I come back on the weekend um had to come on uh one up in the 60th minute at home to Sheffield United and it was a full stadium and they had packed out the way end and suddenly I was extremely nervous again so I think it like fluctuates from game to game and you know, I've had this time out and I wasn't sure if am I fit enough you know am I, am I sharp enough you know what if I come on and we could see it's all gonna be my fault so it was luckily I got for it okay um, but yeah that's something you always got to manage I suppose it's it's that interesting pressure, isn't it? You know, if you're one 0 up and a striker's coming on, a striker's rubbing their hands and saying happy days, and might go on and score a goal and make a two 0 If defender comes on, it's like we're one 0 up, we can't lose this. And then that yeah. that pressure that comes with that. Also on on the Northern Ireland scene, you know, we we've we've players like Craig Cathcart and Johnny Evans who, similarly to yourself, they started out at a big club. They started out at Manchester United, and before playing for Manchester United they both went out on loan they went to Royal Antwerp and then Sunderland and then obviously Craig Cathcart similarly to yourself ended up playing at Blackpool for a bit on loan um is that something obviously I'm not saying you're similar to them or your trajectory is the same as them but is that something that you feel can help you you know coming through at a, at a big club going out on loan and and playing football um competitive men's football somewhere else to do you know and you know increase your game time, add tools to your chest, things like that. Is that something that you feel can add to your game? Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, every player has has a different pathway. And I think it's very rare nowadays that, especially a centre back, will come up through the academy and go straight into a a top six Premier League team. <laughs> I don't think that would that's very realistic. So, you know, everyone's got different pathways and. You know, from the minute they said, you know, we'd like you to go on loan, you know, I was I was well up for it. And, you know, I, I couldn't wait to go almost. I wanted to sort of immerse myself in in the experience in playing games in the football league. I, you know, it's I love playing football. I, I don't take too well to sitting on the bench or not pushing myself. Um, yeah, I get frustrated quite easily and... So to to go out and to, to be able to play games, it's there's there's no better feelings. But I'm, you know, more more than happy doing this. And you know, it, it's it's not easy. You know, just because you have the the label of Arsenal on your head, it doesn't make you no better than the hundreds of other professionals in the league below. And 
the hundreds of other professionals who are at Premier League teams just below you. You know, it's it's a fight for everyone, and there's only so many spots on a Saturday that that can be filled. So, you know, just because you have this label, if you're not putting the work in, if you're not performing, you know, a manager in a championship just isn't going to pick you. You know, there's plenty of other options for them. It's something I've never really talked about before. So it's interesting you brought that up, the competitive nature of football in general, just between players at clubs or players coming up through the developmental system that all want to play, that all want to be a starter, that all want to get first team football somewhere. Is that something that is is hard to deal with or is that something that just comes with the territory of being a professional player? I mean, it's not, of course it's not ideal you know you you want to play the same as everyone else everyone wants to play every minute of every game and you know it's such a you know so many things can go on and like right now coming back from a long-term injury you know just because I'm now fit doesn't mean I'm going back into the team you know I've there's been other players playing in my position who've been playing extremely well um, and it's frustrating because you know you want to go out there and perform, and you want to go out there and do well for you, for the team and for yourself. But why should I get that opportunity when someone who's playing week in week out already getting good performances? You know why is the gaffer going to take him out? So it's sometimes you've got to be patient, which is which is really tough. And you know injuries do happen in football and you know, suspensions and you've just got to, you know, mentally keep yourself ready for that opportunity. And that can be tough at times because when you're not playing, it is really demotivating and all you want to do is be out there and you might be traveling in the country, sitting on the bench, um, can be quite demotivating, but that's your job to keep yourself ready, to keep yourself prepared and you will get that opportunity eventually. And, and when you get it, you, it's down to you to take it. I mean, speaking of that, you know, that difficulty and keep yourself prepared, a lot of that will probably come into the mindset, you know, and tell me as a, 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 for you specifically, but also as a professional footballer, the importance of having a strong mindset and being mentally tough. It's, it's massive because, you know, it's not a uh, football isn't, you know, your regular job. It's nothing's guaranteed, nothing's certain. And as I say, there's so many people fighting for s- such a limited uh, amount of opportunity. Um, if someone is more mentally tough than you or is willing to put a bit more work in and is willing to, you know, play through pain and play in high-pressure games that might not seem nice at the time, um, they're always going to get the opportunities and, and they'll take them. So, you know, if, if you're not mentally prepared to go through all of that, um, you'll get left by the wayside. And um, unfortunately, that's like just the nature of, of of football. Yeah, I think that mental side of the game, it's it's one of the, one of the things that's maybe not talked about enough is the mental toughness and the the desire that it takes, you know, to constantly push yourself, 
because it can be demoralizing if you believe you're playing well, training well, doing everything right, and you're not getting the game time. But it's that consistency of application and consistency of pushing yourself and preparing yourself and being at the top of your game for when that opportunity comes. And for you, a big moment in your career, as we talked about, was the game against Romania when that opportunity came. Um, and you it grabbed it with both hands and your, your, your career has obviously continued to flourish since that. Um, you've mentioned briefly in passing, you know, you've had a couple of major injuries in, in your career so far. Um, is there anything that you do different now as a result of those injuries? Maybe injury prevention, foam rollers, um, saunas, ice baths, anything that you have started to do or you know of that's, that's helped you out in that, in that area? Yeah. So I'd like to say I was doing it to an extent before anyway. Um, and sometimes, you know, a bad tackle, you land the wrong way. It's like inevitable as sometimes you just can't help it. You you will get an injury. But I think this one especially has been a real eye-opener in terms of I was really enjoying my football. I was really enjoying everything. And to get it taken away like that, you know, it's put that extra emphasis on what can I do to to prevent that. So, you know... I have just like a, a pre-activation routine, like an individual one specifically for my my knee that I've just um, rehabbed. And I do that before every training session and, and every game. And then I think the important thing, especially playing twice a week at time, is is your recovery between games and sleep and, you know, using the recovery bump pumps, going in the pool. Um, yeah, I like to prioritize that a lot more than you know I did before. Now knowing the the feeling of getting injured, having that time away, it's although at times it might be a bit of a a, a ball ache or you just you'd rather not. You know, it's it's worth it in the in the in the long run. Yeah, I mean injuries are just one of those things that happen in football, and it's almost like the comeback and the the prevention and the things that you can do to help you know make your career go longer to help prolong your career to help you know keep you fit and keep you ready and um, one of the other questions i like to always ask every single guest that comes on the show is if you have any piece of advice you could give to any young player um, or any young person wanting to go into the world of professional football what piece of advice would you give them i would just say especially for like the younger audience just don't don't take it too seriously and really try to you know keep that love for the game and, and just really enjoy playing football and you know try not to feel the the pressures and don't don't put too much pressure on yourself to to become or to to be the best player every week just go and, and really enjoy playing playing football because I think that's one thing I might regret growing up as a kid is join an academy so soon it sort of takes that pure sort of love for the game out of it at such a young age it's it's interesting you know the academy you know where it becomes very serious very developmental very very quickly i'm assuming you know versus that you know like i, I joked around earlier with jumpers for goalposts but that love for the game um and it's kind of combining those two and i think that's a, a phenomenal insight into you know your own mental space and your own you know advice for young people and young players um last question for you before we begin to, to, to wrap this up do you set goals for yourself and if so what are your goals both short term and long term 
I don't necessarily set goals. I think I had one goal this season was to was to play 30, 30 games for Millwall. Um, but I tend not to set goals just because of the nature of, again, football. And I'd say I'd maybe set very short-term goals, but long-term I, I, I try not to because... I feel like it's so unpredictable. Um, although I do know goal setting is you know, a good tool for a, for a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, um, thank you so much for your time today. This has been the Match Fit Football Podcast. Um, where can people connect with you online if they want to continue to follow your journey? Um, you just follow my my Instagram. It's DG Ballard. Well, thanks very much, Daniel, for your time today. Wish you well in the rest of the season. And obviously, anytime you pull on the Northern Ireland jersey, we'll be cheering you on for that as well. So listen, thank you so much for your time. Um, Best of luck for the rest of the campaign. And hopefully we'll be speaking to you again very, very soon. Thank you very much.